Great to see you on this Palm Sunday, one week away from celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So thankful that you're here. Great to have you um, online. Those of you who are joining us, part of our online family, special welcome to the Destiny Table New York. And I am very much looking forward to being with you our worship night one week from Friday. And uh, we'll be pressing in there in, um, in the school that we've secured for that evening. So it'll be great. God's doing a good work all over the planet. And we're so deeply grateful um, just to be able to participate and be a part of his plan. And we're going to talk just a little of that uh, today. I do want to make sure you're reminded next week for the celebration of the resurrection, we are going to be doing a 7 a.m. sunrise service as well as our 9.30 and 11.30. Uh, 7 a.m. will be right out front here, and we'll have seats all set up and all that ready to go. But can I just gauge and get an idea? How many of you think you will be here uh, at 7 a.m. Uh, next Sunday? Can I just see? All right, that's a great group out of this first service. And um, if you're coming to the 7, how many of you plan to come back for one of the 9.30 and 11.30? I'm just curious. Okay. Well, great. It just helps us to prepare a little more effectively uh, to know that. I do want to just mention, uh, we've been talking about water baptism. And um, if you are interested in being baptized in water, we've talked a lot of the deep, deep truth of what that really means. And the bondage is broken when we apply our faith. It becomes a tool in the hand of the enemy. As the Israelites came out of the bondage of Egypt and they passed through the water, there were bondages that had held them captive that were broken in the water that day, never to hold them or their children cap captive again. And uh, we believe that water baptism is more than a symbol, but we really apply our faith and declare that it's a spiritual declaration of a reality that God desires for every one of us. So if you've not applied your faith to what that looks like, how many of you know heaven happens through Jesus alone? We'll make sure there's no question about that. Jesus and the blood of Christ is... is is the only way that we go to heaven. But there are these other tools that happen, uh, sacraments, the communion tables, all those things have deep, deep value. And water baptism is one of those. And so uh, if you're interested in being baptized with us next week, we'll be doing that on Easter Sunday morning. Fill out a connect card or you can text destiny to the number that'll pop up on the screen and we will follow up with you. I did have somebody who has... Um, signed up tell me this morning that they signed up I guess a few weeks ago and haven't heard from us yet so uh, not to worry we'll give you some details we're basically going to meet 30 minutes prior to the service um, but we'll be in touch with you this week by phone just to make sure you get that information all right so um, you know I'm just in worship just asking the Lord would you go to a deeper place <clears throat> how many of you want him to go to a deeper place <laughs> Like places where we've maybe not allowed him to go before. Uh, and I just got the picture and I started thinking about when I was a kid and my dad would take me out to these ponds and these different places that he would go hunting frogs and things. And as a little kid, sometimes I would walk out into that uh, pond. Have you ever done this before? And you sink into the sediment that's deep beneath the surface and it has a horrible, horrible smell. Uh, I just felt like in all honesty, I felt like the Lord was saying, do you really want to go there? And I just think uh, God's wanting to do a deeper work in an area maybe that we've not allowed him. Like deeper than behavior is a place called motive. What is it that motivates? What is it that 
captures, you know, why is it that certain things capture my attention and draw my attention to certain temptations or whatever that may be? And we're really uh, going to step into an understanding of what that uh, is more about in this next season. You know, somewhere along the journey, we decided that doing four or five week series was a little too corporate and a little too organizational and not enough organic or organism of the church where we're just discerning the seasons that God's revealing. And we've been sensing a new season that the Lord was going to lead us into. And so I'm not announcing a four week series because we're more so just discerning this next season and we'll just kind of linger here until the Lord moves us. We've been focusing on this year's uh, New Year's revelation, Abundant Life. But what we're going to do today is begin to introduce this new idea uh, that I hope will shape some real basic things like what I'm referencing of going deeper and how to get there. And it's just the idea of algorithm. It's a common term in the world that we live in today. And um, it's actually very spiritually significant. And I want to begin to introduce you to this um, today. And we're going we're gonna to do quite a Bible study today. I'm going to do way more of a... Uh, Bible study focused than what I would typically do on a Sunday. So not all the verses that I'm going to reference are going to come up on the screen. I would invite you to open your Bibles like these real old-fashioned Bibles that we tend to carry around sometimes that smell good. Um, you know, just something about holding that in your hand, I think, that just helps us understand um, something of the nature of God. That's I'll preach from my phone. I'm not against digital world. But this, this turn-the-page challenge that we bring where you read through your Bible and write the date at the top of the page every day, turning a page, it just becomes this incredible heirloom that you can leave in the hands of your children and your children's children. And so we go back to that often because we're trying to help people understand the importance of processing in your heart what God's chosen to reveal in a way that actually awakens something of faith in the next generation. And uh, the Bible says that an unborn generation would serve the Lord our God. So what about our lives would make an unborn generation take note of the heart of God and begin to serve him more readily? So I encourage you in that. Uh, so you might just make a note or, or hold your finger. John chapter 1, we're going to go there. And then Isaiah chapter 55 will be two core texts that we'll look at this morning. In this moment uh, where I kind of feel the pressure of, uh, it's, a, it's a lot that I'm, I feel like my assignment is massive. I've wrestled with trying to bring it down, bring it down, make it shorter. Um, and when I do that and then I stand here in this moment, it's when I feel like I need to really rush into this and get going. And anytime, I'm just learning, anytime I feel like I need to rush is the perfect time just to slow down. So come on, let's just invite the Lord. Because only he can do what needs to be done in these moments. He's, he's chosen to use the foolishness of, pe of preaching uh, from the beginning of the church. Why, we're not exactly sure. But we just all want to bring whatever gift we carry. And we stand before you, Lord. And I pray you truly would invade this room. That we would have a sense of the nearness of God. Lord, that you would breathe fresh life on the scriptures today and that we would recognize that we live in a western world society that has in so many ways marginalized the deeper realities of God we've allowed our presentations to take the place of experiencing your presence and I pray Lord that today would be more about your presence than anything else 
we would engage with you and you would awaken things within us that would truly bring transformation not only in our own lives but in the world around us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. <clears throat> Algorithms. This ties into Palm Sunday in a really remarkable way. And I want to just point out in John chapter 1 verse 12 will be the key centerpiece verse that we're going to come back to over and over over the course of this time as we're digging into what God's revealing. And I want you to hear the essence of what's being revealed. John chapter 1 verse 12. But as many as received him. Before we go on, have you received Jesus Christ? <laughs> the most important you will ever make, not just for this life, but for all eternity, is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. And then you receive him. And I want you to hear what happens once you receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Or power to become the sons and daughters of God. If you have received Jesus, you have been given the power to become sons and daughters of God even to them that believe on his name. This is such an important verse of scripture for us. How many of you know the Bible actually says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? What that means is salvation is a process. You come to the point where you receive the Lord and you go from death to life. And aren't you glad for that? Like a new creation. I'm so thankful. I was, I was an adult when I came to know the Lord. And what I walked out of was crazy, and what I walked into was mind-blowing. And uh, something so changed in my life. But boy, I've been on this journey of knowing him more and more. It's like salvation is almost like the wedding, but lordship. Now that's more like the marriage. And you know, it takes a little bit of work to make the marriage what God really intended it to be. Now the wedding took place, but now we're on this journey of the marriage. And it's kind of like that. You come to know the Lord, and then... The, that, that moment of salvation and encounter it, it happens, and then the process of lordship is the rest of your life. That is when you receive Jesus, he gives you power to become everything he ever designed you to be. It is profoundly significant. And what I want us to see is God's master design actually involves this mechanism, for lack of a better term, that is awakened within you when you come to know Christ. And when that mechanism is awakened within you, you're in the process of becoming. So it is very important that you are allowing the Lord to do the work inside of you with the fresh word of the living God, because what happens inside of you begins to produce what, will, uh, what you'll become in your future. And so this is, this is the thing you need to understand. God's master design he is a master designer. His master design involves an elaborately perpetual and ultimately unstoppable process. That should strike fear in all of our hearts to some degree. Fear the Lord and become everything he's called you to become. Neglect the Lord and become something you never thought you could be. His master design awakens this mechanism within us that has this elaborately perpetual and ultimately unstoppable process 
within every single one of us. So here's, here's the way that I want to capsulize this today. We are all in the process of becoming. And what we process will determine who we become. We're going to go into a lot of this focus next week for uh, Easter celebration of the resurrection of Christ and how we're processing his presence as our way of life. But what I want to do today is just take you into a little bit of an understanding on this Palm Sunday. Uh, Pastor A.T. did a great job just bringing a summary version of, of what Palm Sunday is about, and I'll point to some of what he shared in this. But Jesus is alive. How many of you know Jesus is alive? He not only came, he not only lived, he not only died, he came back from the dead and is alive today. And so he is alive. He is a, let, let's do thank the Lord for that. He is alive. Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is alive, we don't merely read the book, we get to sit with the author. That means he begins to inspire us as we're looking into Scripture, and he awakens these things within us. And that's his desire, is to awaken good things within us, causing us then to become all God desires for us to become as sons and daughters of God. He designed us this way. So it's amazing how he how God's creative de design exists within us, and we then are creative as a result in the image of God. Some of us express creativities differently, but we're all creative more than what you would realize because we're created in the image of creative God. And so discovering that kind of beautifies the world in amazing ways when it's brought under the Lordship of Christ. And I want to just point out something because it's kind of amazing to me. Uh, Man created in God's image, humanity created in God's image has this creative ability and what we've been able to create in terms of even artificial intelligence is fascinating. So in 1997, if you're a chess player, you might know this. In 1997, there was this expert system named Deep Blue that had been developed. And this expert chess playing system named Deep Blue was pitted against world champion chess player Gary Kasparov. And in 1997, world champion chess player Gary Kasparov lost to a machine. Deep Blue, they call it, could actually evaluate, think about this, 200 million board positions per second. Mathematically, the complexity of what I'm describing to you is seemingly unimaginable. Would you agree? But is it? As I started kind of evaluating this and some of the algorithm ideas and the things, the way God's created the complexity of the mind, I realized we were able as humans to create this artificial intelligence that actually could produce 200 million actions per second. But I want to take you from millions to billions in a minute. And I want you to understand, science tells us that humans have the ability to process 400 billion actions per second. What that means is, and I know these are just numbers that are kind of beyond comprehension, but what that means is God is the ultimate programmer of the universe. <laughs> and you and I are the product of God's programming created in the very image of God with these 
fascinating capacities and abilities with what we actually can accomplish. How many of you know we're actually smarter than machines are? We might not think it in terms of the world we live in today and the way we've been sold a bill of goods regarding technology, but man, the capacity that exists within you is actually born from the image of the infinite mind of God, and he's way smarter than any programmer on earth ever is going to be. Like, he's smart. So everybody just say it, I'm smart. Some of y'all have never said that in your life. You should say that more. So we have these amazing abilities, and then I just want us to step back and think for a moment how our abilities pale in comparison to God's amazing abilities. And this is where I want you to turn over to Isaiah 55, and we're going to read a portion of Scripture here that helps us bring comparison. We have these phenomenal abilities, and then God has these phenomenal abilities that like the infinite mind of God, how does it compare to the, uh, the amazing mind of humanity? And we see this in Scripture, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 to 11. And it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Okay, this is God speaking. As the heavens are higher than the earth. How high is that? infinitely up there we don't even know we cannot comprehend how high the heavens are because it just keeps going as far as we know it never stops as the heavens are above the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts man we serve an amazing god and here's the thing that's crazy is we're celebrating on palm sunday and we need to just comprehend this and get a picture of this great big god humbled himself to become little bitty man in order to invite us in to a deeply intimate journey with the Lord our God. So Jesus came in utter humility, introducing us to the ways of God, introducing us to the ways of God, not that we will fully comprehend them, but how many of you know when we are exposed to the excellency of his ways, something within us begins to be transformed. It's amazing the Bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind or the rehearsing of the infinite mind of God. We have the mind of Christ. How many of you have the mind of Christ? Somebody say amen if you have the mind of Christ. How many of you have a treadmill? Just because you have a treadmill doesn't mean you use a treadmill. Just because we have the mind of Christ doesn't mean we use the mind of Christ. But the thoughts of God are available to us. To memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God. And when we're exposed to the excellency of his ways, this is why Jesus came to invite us in, not to introduce us to a religion, but to make us sons and daughters of God and initiate the process of becoming everything God's called us to become. And who you are about to become is way more than who you've ever been when you're on this journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't give up. We need you in this fight. Don't give up. Keep on. How many of you are struggling? Can I just see? Raise your hand if you struggle. All right, we're looking around. We've got some struggle going on in the house. Here's the thing about struggling. Some of you are struggling with lying. You didn't raise your hand. But here's the thing about struggling. If you're struggling, it's a sure sign that you've not yet been defeated because you're continuing to struggle in the midst of it all. 
Do not give up. God is at work. Jesus is alive and he's invited you in. The process of becoming everything he ever designed you to become, it's in the works. Praise God. So Jesus came in this incredible humility, inviting us in so that we might begin to process the ways of God. Humility. I want to share with you the perspective of humility from a uniquely different perspective than anything I've done before. I'll just uh, I'll honor my dad in uh, sharing this particular uh, expression, but let's first look at, at humility. Humility is easily undervalued. Would you agree? <laughs> humility is easily undervalued and highly overlooked by Christians, and rarely is it ever celebrated by the world. So, the way to get a good understanding of this today, particularly on Palm Sunday, who can tell me who this person is? What's this person's name? This is why I'm honoring my dad today. Because I know that he, uh, he's an old Western fan. Say his name real loud. Festus. Deputy Festus. Anybody know the donkey's name? Ruth. That's Festus and his donkey, Ruth. And Festus, he, he played the part in this old Western series called Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. There it is. Matt Dillon, Kitty, Doc. I don't know that dude up there on the beside Doc and Festus. And so, you know, here, here, this is the series went for all those years. Here's the thing I just want to point out. Festus played the part of this humble, honest, kind-hearted, goodwill person who rode a donkey. And he always had trouble with Ruth. You know, Ruth was always stubborn. She was stubborn as a mule. I mean, constantly dealing with all these different things. For us, it's part of the, it's kind of part of the endearing nature of the audience when you saw Festus, who was such a nice guy, always having to struggle with this ridiculous donkey, and it made us kind of like him more. Like, he's so patient, so kind. Many times, riding the donkey, Festus would kind of, you know, in comparison to to the, the main character, he would, he would look foolish. Uh, he would look disgraced. You know, donkeys, they're not a good representation of the, of the rider. They don't present the rider well. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's, it's little. It's hard to, to maneuver. I mean, it's just, you know, this donkey, they're stubborn. They're not a great representation, especially in comparison with Matt Dillon on his big a beautiful buckskin horse. Anybody know what the name of the horse was? Here's, here's Matt. You know, know the name of his horse? It's Buck. Buckskin horse. So Buck, I cheated. I, I looked this up this week just to make sure I understood where we were going here. But again, just you need to understand from the standpoint of Palm Sunday, you probably are getting the picture of where I'm driving with this. The donkey presents the rider in a very... Um, humble way. A.T. mentioned um, the whole idea and the concept of what was taking place in the, in the culture uh, in that particular day. And in the, Middle East, in the Middle Eastern culture, riding on a donkey was a symbol of the king who came in peace. Always the expression of a king who came in peace. In the context, uh, it made the king look defenseless and 
peaceful. No matter what uh, kind of uh, beckoning call with a vast army he could call, went riding on a donkey. It was this expression of, of utter, total humility and peace. He came to rescue and be at peace and at rest. Aren't you thankful God is like not mad at you, but he's like with you. He's mad about you. That's the, that's the kind of God we serve. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He wants to draw you into a deeper place of his love. This king of kings and lord of lords in humility chose to ride this beautiful donkey, not, or sorry, this lowly donkey, not a beautiful stallion. And he did that to invite us in to a deeper place. He was celebrated in this particular day. And this amazing celebration, waving palm branches and shouting the, to the glory of God. They knew this was the fulfillment of Scripture. The Messiah had come. This was his greatest, grandest celebration. And how did he respond in that? He humbled himself. In fact, we read about the prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. It says, look, your king is coming to you. He is, he's righteous and victorious, humble, and riding on a donkey. And Matthew chapter 21 tells the whole story. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So I want to point something out to you. The crowd wasn't celebrating the humility of God that day. The crowd was celebrating their desire to be rescued from uh, an oppressive government under the uh, Caesar's cruel leadership. They weren't celebrating the right thing that Jesus was actually carrying, even though there was this great celebration. And I think it's pretty indicative of what is going on when we're looking at this. And we know the day this happened, it was April the 6th, 32 AD. Shouts were ringing out April the 6th, 32 AD. They're celebrating Jesus to come. They were ready to be rescued from the government. But they were confused about the mission of Christ. And I want us to not be confused about the mission of Christ. Because in many ways, we've missed the mission of Christ. We've made it more about what we're wanting him to rescue us from than actually why he truly came. I, I just, it's important to say this over and over again because we live in a world of such political divide. I, I'm, I'm preparing you to embrace this, okay? Because we live in a world with such political divide. We can have distinction without having division if we're willing to do so. And a divided world needs a united church and if we allow our politics in the body of Christ to divide us, then we have overlooked something so very important that Jesus prayed for, and that's the unity of the body of Christ and the power of that which is released in the earth when the church comes into unity can straighten out all of our political issues. You should celebrate it more than that because it's a big deal. So Jesus is coming and this is all about the, uh, it's amazing, actually, on this date, April the 632 A.D., this is the very day 
that the Israelites were actually preparing their Passover lamb. They were looking for their unblemished Passover lamb. And the way it works, the head of the household would bring the lamb to the home, and then each person in the family would need to eat the lamb. And it was a celebration from happened all those generations ago in Egypt when Passover had taken place. And what did they do? They, take the, they took the Passover lambs in those uh, times before the angel of death came through, and they, they slaughtered the, the lamb, and the, the family would eat, and they took the blood of the lamb. And what you, you remember what they did? They, they actually used hyssop the Bible says, and they smacked the top of the doorframe with blood, and then they smacked the sides of the doorframe with blood, but hyssop actually is a very watery plant, and so it was actually blood and water on the doorframes, and, and when you smacked up at the top, then that blood would drip down, and what you have is the shape of a cross in the doorway that they would walk through the next morning when they were all healed when they came out, and they walked in this place of great strength and life. I mean, this is beautiful. Blood and water would flow as expression of Jesus Christ, and, and here on the very day where they're celebrating and commemorating this very important event. This is the day Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. It's like God was saying, I'm presenting my Passover lamb to the world. I'm sending him as the ultimate sacrifice to solve this equation and answer all of our greatest needs. And and what was the day? April the 6th, 32 AD. That's a really important day. What I want to point out is how smart God is. The algorithms that we cultivate and develop are they pale in comparison to what God can do. And I, I just want to point something out. The Bible actually predicts this prophetic alarm clock. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. It's just so fascinating to me. There's a prophetic alarm clock that's revealed in Scripture that actually says there's going to be a command that will be given for the rebuilding of the temple that will start a prophetic alarm clock for a certain number of years. We read about this in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. And this week, you go to the blog. I've got all this listed out there. I'm going to point to more verses than we're going to be able to get to as we step into this final portion of what I want to talk to you about. But Daniel 9, 24 specifically says the command is going to be given to rebuild Jerusalem. And upon the giving of that command, it will be 483 sacred years before the Messiah will be revealed. That is actually 173,880 days. And the Messiah will be revealed 173,880 days after the command is given to rebuild the temple. If only we could find the date when the, t- the command was given to rebuild the temple, we actually can. We find that in Ezra chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. On March the 14th, 445 BC, King Artaxerxes gives the command initiating a prophetic alarm clock to rebuild the temple. So what we can do is go from March the 14th, 445 BC, and count 173,880 days. How cool would it be if we could go that timeline after that date and something awesome happened on the day that it concludes? And I just want you to understand, 173,880 days after March 14th, 445 BC is April the 6th, 32 AD, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. God is smarter than deep blue. Jesus came in total humility as a sacrificial lamb riding on a donkey to fulfill this prophetic alarm clock. God is smart. This is is information we can look at that will really sustain us to have a, a stronger sense of hope and understanding. Your faith is not to be blind. 
God's given us some information to help us process the depth of what he's calling us to in the world in which you and I live because there's a lot of question right now in the world that you and I live. But Jesus is who he says he is and his word substantiates his claims and you and I can have absolute hope and confidence and faith that Jesus is alive today. The tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. So here he shows up on a donkey, kind of like Festus, as the sacrificial lamb riding a donkey. But one day he's going to come back. He's going to be a little more like Matt Dillon. He's going to be riding a white horse, and it ain't going to be pretty for those who've chosen not to accept him for who he is. And the Bible prophesies this, and it predicts this, and it's horrible. There's a bloodbath, actually, that the Bible talks about. And I just want to point to just a couple of more prophetic scriptures that are just really curious, particularly in the day that you and I are living in right now. The Bible predicts that there's going to be a day where the Jews will begin to migrate back to their homeland, Israel. Specifically, it says they'll come from the west. Here we are. And they'll come from the north. It's interesting to me, just under 7 million Jews live in Israel. Just over 7 million Jews live in the United States of America to the west. It's also interesting to me, the Jews will migrate or come back from the west and come back from the north, and I don't know if you realize it or not, and I, I want to be careful not to sensationalize this because this can, really, this can really capture your attention, and then I can use it emotionally to manipulate or, you know, accomplish something, or, and I just, I, I never want to do that. I want to say, let the Holy Spirit speak to you what he's desiring to reveal, you know, I, I'm, I'm exhausted with authors who've come up with ideas and sold their books and, you know, created the sounding of an alarm to capture the church's attention. And then through fear and reaction, we get the church moving. And it's just not what God desires. He doesn't want you to react in a state of fear. He wants you to respond in an attitude of faith. Be strong in the Lord. Do not give up your peace. No matter what somebody might try to preach in your direction, stay rooted and grounded in the word, confident in the presence of the Lord your God. Bearing that in mind, there are these prophecies that seem to be pointing to something that we need to pay close attention to because the Jews that will migrate from the north, it's interesting to me, there's been a recent movement of Jews from the north. Are you aware of this? Do you know that the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, is Jewish himself? This group of people that have been under attack by Russia, of all places, have scattered. But many of them have come from the north into Israel to the homeland. Now, the Bible speaks, and you can go to the blog and find all this, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 2. The Bible actually speaks of a group, and I'm using these words on purpose, a group of united nations that will one day assemble their forces together and attack Israel. It's just a prophecy of Scripture. Just like Jesus would be revealed, the Messiah, 173,880 days, that prophetic alarm clock. There are prophecies of Scripture that we need to pay attention to. There are two witnesses one day that will fall dead in the streets and they'll come back to life. How many of you know the Bible's true? When we start looking at these eschatological considerations, there are lots of conjecture, lots of opinions, lots of perspectives. Ultimately, it needs to drive us to understand Jesus is Lord, and God wants to awaken something unique uh, and eternal in our hearts as we pursue him. But this 
group of, of gathered together nations are going to attack. And specifically, the Bible says it's going to come from the north. The attack will be led from the north. And in Ezekiel chapter 38, we see some key participants in this particular attack that will come from the north. And what we see in Ezekiel 38 are the tribal names. The Hebrew um, reveals the tribal names of these particular or the ancient tribal names, not necessarily their modern-day names. But here are four of the names that you can read about on the blog, and they are uh, Gog and Magog and Meshach and Tubal. We probably can't think of places like that, but if you actually look into this a little bit, it's fairly easy to figure out. The root word for the word Meshach is actually the root word for the word Moscow. And so when you start looking at that and evaluating this attack that will come from the north, I I, I want us just to take a little trip together. We're going to go on a journey. Are you ready? I want you to fasten your seatbelts. How many of you have ever been to Israel before? All right? After today, we all are going to have been to Israel. Put on your seatbelts. Here we go. We're going to start right here in our seats, 3801 Southeast 29th in the metro area, and we're going to cross the pond. Are you ready? On our way to Israel, boom, it's a real fast flight, by the way, over the Atlantic. Here we are in Israel, and we're taking a look at this. This is like the size of the panhandle of the state of Oklahoma. This little piece of property has got worldwide attention and will have worldwide attention according to the Word of God. We go north from where many of these uh, Jews have migrated from and, and we find Ukraine. And then it's interesting because when we go and we move from Ukraine to Moscow specifically, it is actually due north of Israel. And so here's Moscow. We're zooming in, taking a look at where this is. And then when we just go directly south back to Israel, we see this specific directional pursuit all the way down to Israel. Now, this is an interesting look at Google uh, Maps. And, and, uh, and I tell you what, let's just leave the Middle East. And I just want us, let's just come back to reality to our comfortable lives in our Western world right here, Destiny Christian Center, where we don't have to worry about all that's going on in the Middle East, where we don't have to give any consideration to anything that's taking place. Is it really all that important that we're gathering to worship? Is it really all that important that we're growing in the Word Is it really all that important that we're giving our lives to Christ, allowing him to awaken the mechanism that causes us to become the sons and daughters of God, that the Bible actually says the world eagerly longs for the sons and daughters of God to manifest themselves and be revealed in the earth? It is really that important. You and I are part of a plan that actually was initiated for our world from a time before the world existed, before God formed you in the womb, He knew you. You might not like what's taken place in your particular lifetime, but you were actually purposed by God to be able to weather the storm and take others with you on this journey, even out of some of the most difficult times you've ever faced in your life. You are divinely appointed by God. Your your parents might not have planned you, but God planned you. And discovering his purpose and growing deeper in his love is a vitally important part of what God is doing in this season of the world around us. Mass if the worship team will come. I don't really know 
all the answers to this eschatological stuff. It's maddening. I went through about a two-year journey of studying this and writing. And uh, I mean, it was, it, it really, it almost took me into an unhealthy place. And so I'm, I'm reluctant to go into too much of it just as a pastor, because it can take you into an unhealthy place. Let me just tell you this. The look on some of your faces now is very different than the look on some of your faces before I started talking about some of these issues. And I want you to hear me as I say this. I break the spirit of fear off of every single one of you right now in Jesus' mighty name. I break the spirit of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear for power. Power, love, and a sound mind. We are not to give in to the enemy's tactics to cause us to be in a fearful disposition where we're in a reactionary state of mind. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. And I don't see him putting his hand over his ears, running in circles, screaming like a chicken with his head cut off. I don't see that at all. But I see peace and I see rest. But let me just tell you something, and let's be very clear. Without Jesus, you don't have any of that. This is not about a religious organization trying to talk you into a religious belief system. This is about a God who humbled himself to come and live and die and invite us in. And when we receive him, to as many as have received him, he awakens the process within us to become the sons and daughters of God. It's powerful. Come on, let's just stand together. To as many has received him. My question, if you're online, if you're in this room, to everybody hearing the sound of my voice, to as many as received him, do you know that you know Jesus? Like, I'm not asking, have you gotten religious? I'm not asking, did your parents take you to church? I'm not asking, have you attended church every Sunday for your entire life? I am asking, do you know that you've encountered God where you received Christ as your Lord and Savior and something was awakened within you to initiate the process of becoming everything he designed you to become. So come on, with just open your heart, would you please? Let's just close our eyes and block everything out. Just open your heart. Do you know that you know him? Have you chosen to receive him in response to his invitation? You don't do it on your own. It's in response. He didn't love us back. He loved us first. And then our response to his love is what determines his reach in our lives. So if you're not sure where you stand in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to ask you Posture yourself by lifting both your hands in surrender. Just with eyes closed, this is between you and the Lord your God. Just in a place of surrender. Lord, we just surrender to you. We surrender to you. You came, 
You lived, you died, but you're alive. We thank you for that life. Awaken something within us, Lord, to cause us to begin to become everything that you've called us to become as sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you declare Jesus is Lord, would you just say amen and let's give him a hand clap of praise. He is who he says he is. We honor you, Lord Jesus. I want to encourage you. The process of becoming who God's called you to become is a process that requires you to do more than just make a decision to serve the Lord. It requires you to understand your call to the body of Christ. You're created in the image of community God, Trinity God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're created in the image of Trinity, community God. That means you'll never become everything he's called you to become if you don't learn the value of community in your life. There's some, some commands you can't even keep in Scripture if you are isolated and by yourself. I, I don't know if you heard or not, but the Bible actually says it is not good for man to be alone. And we want to do this together. And so I want to invite you, um, two weeks from today, we're going to do something called Discover Destiny. And it'll be right between the two services. And we'll take about 25 minutes to have a conversation about how to find our way into another level of the purposes of God as a part of a church family. Whether you stay and do that here in this family, that's between you and the Lord. But I would invite you to fill out a Connect card. Um, you know, reach out, let us know. We'll get you on that list and give you information. We'll, we'll connect between the two services and just walk through a 25-minute conversation pointing you to a further direction of how to, to find your way into this process of becoming together. It's just, I, I feel that thing again. Like I need to get out of the way and get, you know, rush through. So we just pause for a moment, Lord. Boy, the enemy's tactics are so sneaky. And I pray that you would help us to be men and women of the Spirit, who'll be led by the Spirit, but who also keep in step with the Spirit. We won't just be quick to make decisions but we'll be responsive and discerning in the way we make decisions. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to take a few moments in worship. I want to ask you uh, this week, you know, the crosses are up here with the names all on those crosses. Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. prayer, we'll be focusing in, praying over those names if you want to come join us here. Um, but I want to ask you this week, pray for your friends and family. Invite them to join us in person or online. You know, um, there are people in our church that are here because somebody shared one of the posts of the church and other people found their way to connecting with us. So I would encourage you, share on social media. It's important. How many believe this is important, that we reach people with the love of Jesus? 
help them find their way into the deeper purposes of God. So we're here to uh, step into place of prayer and worship every week. It's part of our congregational assignment. When we first started doing this, people kind of started leaving because they thought, oh, the show is over. But it never has been about a show. It's about an assignment together, and part of our assignment together is worship. And so I want to ask you to take what God's stirring in your heart and just give it back to Him. Just for a few moments as we conclude in worship together. Once a month, we introduce our elders, and so I want to introduce them to you. And uh, those elders are going to make their way to the back after I call each of their names. They'll be right back here as we worship for these next few minutes. If we can pray with you about anything at all, then please do so. Derek and Crystal Wilson, Jason and Heather Shiflett, uh, Ryan and Gina Perry, Dave and Wade Lord, uh, Dave, Dave. I do, I do know these names, and, and our elders have wives, not husbands. Dave and Lauren, Wade and Jennifer. Sorry for any confusion. It's not the day you want to have that type of confusion in the church. Jason and Heather Shiflett, Derek and Crystal Wilson, Ryan and Gina Perry, Dave and Lauren Fullerton, Wade and Jennifer Moore. Making sure I got them all. So they're back at the back, and uh, just as we press in and worship communion stations at the very back of this center section. It's a great time for you to go and receive communion and thank God for his broken body and shed blood that we live in a state of faith and not in fear. Listen carefully. This is a great time for you to bring your tithe and offering before the Lord through our giving stations or you can text the number that will pop up on the screen uh, to be able to give. But we just say we will not live in fear. In a time of inflation, we will not live in fear. In a time when Russia is invading Ukraine, we will not live in fear. We will trust in the Lord our God with all of our heart. We will not lean to our own understanding and God will take care of our needs in every way. So I encourage you, let's honor the Lord with our giving as an expression of worship and confidence and trust in Him. So come on, just press in. Open your heart. Let's take just a few moments before we're dismissed. And let's worship the Lord our God.